Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You can't run from your past. Simu Liu stars in the latest superhero story from Marvel. And at the film's big Hollywood premiere, he said it's been a tough couple of years for Asian Americans. But we're here today to experience joy. And for years, he says, Asian Americans have been othered in the U.S. And a lot of people, myself included, grew up feeling like they didn't truly belong. But he hopes with this film, that changes. I want everybody to know that they're seen, you know, and and that they matter and that they should be proud of who they are. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Opens Labor Day weekend. Well, I really hope. That, I don't know. Sounds like cultural appropriation to me. I really hope that the the group in America that gets the highest scores in school has the most home per capita income. Um, name the success measure, and they're at the top of it. I hope they start to finally feel like they belong. What? <laughs> Stop othering them. So the top-line numbers for the U.S. Census came out in April. They're releasing a bunch more information this week, and it's kind of gotten eclipsed by some of the other obvious news. Quick refresher, U.S. top 331 million people. That's up from 308 million in 2010. Uh, California, uh, these are states that each lost a congressional seat because they lost population, or at least you know compared to the other states. California, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York. Losers! <laughs> these these states gained a seat. Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, Oregon, Montana, Texas gained two seats. But now they're getting to the demographic, uh, and racial and, and stuff information and, and age, which is really pretty interesting, but not in the way the stupid, stupid morons of the mainstream media would have you believe. Um, the age stuff is pretty straightforward. The U.S. fertility has continued to slow over the last decade. The overall population growth of just more than 7% was the slowest ever. Latest age data shown a glaring spotlight on the phenomena. Over the last 10 years, the total number of children living in America actually decreased. We've lost children. It's about a difference of a million children from 2010 to 2020. By comparison, the number of adults is up by 24 million. We are an aging country. Italy, Italy, China, us. Uh, let's see. The racial data you heard so much about was a little m- m- harder to interpret than it was portrayed. The share of Americans who identified themselves as white dropped to 57.8% of the population. We'll call it 58%. As in prior years, America's growing minority population was primarily driven by growth among Hispanics, who've gone in 30 years from 9% to 19% of the population. Asians have roughly doubled their share of the population since 1990. They now make up about 6% of Americans. Uh, They also mentioned, before I get to the punchline, the population of white Americans didn't just shrink relative to other groups. There was an absolute decrease of 5 million white people compared to 2010. It's the first time America's white population, as recorded in a census, has shrunk dating back to 1790. Moving back. 
All right, then. All right. Hang on. Hang on now. Lies, damn lies and statistics. The change is in part because of changes in the way the census is constructed. Mm. It makes it easier for respondents to record their racial identity in more detail, more granule detail. It's the number of people who identified themselves as exclusively white, which has shrunk. The number of people who identify themselves as belonging to more than one race jumped from 9 million to 33 million in 10 years. And so that's not different people showing up. That's people classifying themselves differently. A lot. Right. Right. And it it could be uh, a lot of people who used to identify as, as exclusively white checked off another box. Turned out they got a little Indian heritage. So they threw that in there. Why not? It's the melting pot. So it's just it's a it's at least partly just a change in the way you report your race. Yeah. Um, On the other hand, it's not just an accounting blip. They point out that more people died than were born in half of U.S. counties over the past decade. That's shocking if you think of it. Oh, I guarantee. uh, Yeah. Most of the places I'm from, that's true. Well, it's probably, rural areas. Yeah. Well, it's probably true. Probably true in a lot of urban areas. Why wouldn't it be? You, you yeah, got a it was most notable. Where, you got a suburb where people places. aren't having kids. Yeah. San Francisco's got to be having more deaths than births. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Other phenomena may have also contributed uh, to lower birth rates among white people in recent years from the opioid epidemic afflicting many rural and small town areas. To habitually smaller families started later among many professional class people. So, anyway. You only really care about the race stuff if you're a racist, though. Isn't that the case? Oh, damn it. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. I I meant to get to this. Because of various court decisions and and attitudes, which I think are sick and ultimately bad, as Jack was starting to point out, there are all sorts of racial tests for congressional districts does this district you know uh, accurately portray the number of black people and are they being carved off into weird districts and is it possible for black people to get elected and so the the weirdly shaped districts the tortured process of putting together districts a lot of that has to do with various philosophies and legal decisions um, about how you have to make sure black people are getting their votes represented um, historically, it's been all about black people. Well, now you have, uh, going back to those uh, percentages I was hitting earlier, um, you have 19% of the population's Hispanics. So what about an area that's like heavily black and Hispanic with a sprinkling of white people? Who am I supposed to be worried about in this scenario? What about an a-, 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 a district with a lot of Asians, handful of Hispanics, and a bunch of black people? It used to be the question in America, majority, white Minority, black. Now it's so much more complicated, that's going to throw all that already complicated and probably dopey redistricting stuff into a you know a new mess, a different how, mess. How many high schools and colleges across the country, though, are the valedictorians or the people in the, 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 the highest group or whatever, all Asians? How, how all long, of them but three. How long do you get to call yourself or be concerned about being othered when you're dominating every field of endeavor other than sports? I, I don't think I know a single person who has ever expressed any negative view of Asian people. 
I mean, I remember the whole tiger mom pe- thing. People saying, that's probably not good to drive your kids that hard. I mean, all, all told, you know, when you look at life in, in, in totality. But well, that was a, uh, a manner of parenting. It had nothing to do with specifically you have to be Asian to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would say to that actor, I'm, I'm sorry you felt othered or whatever, although you were probably just convinced of that in a college social class after growing yeah. up pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, nobody, nobody hates you, or only only a very small minority of morons has anything to do has anything against Asian people. Rather, you love this country, you work hard. Oh, oh my God, I'm, we're blessed to have you. There's the Armstrong and Getty doctrine, please. But if the kids are getting better grades and the parents are making more money, averaging on all these different things, I mean, what measure do you? What other measure is there for fitting superhero into, movies for fitting Obviously. into society? They haven't had an Asian superhero yet. Okay. It's their time, man. Maybe that's the standard in. Hispanics, I don't don't know what you're waiting for. I mean, uh, you got to get militant about this. You know, El El, uh, Hancho Grande or, uh, you know, how about let's give the gals a chance. El Hancho Grande. I mean, I I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but let's have a a superhero woman who's clearly Hispanic. And uh, I don't know. She'll be like every other damn boring superhero, but to make references to uh, Hispanic music. And everybody will be overjoyed by that at the New York Times and NPR. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The California gubernatorial recall election is heating up, getting a lot more attention. Uh, the leading candidate to replace lunkhead Gavin Newsom at this point is talk show host and author Larry Elder. I think, well, it was several days ago that an ex-girlfriend of his, Alexandra Dating, is that how you say your name? Anyway, uh, claimed that Elder waved a gun at her in 2015. She says he's a despicable human being. Every woman should be afraid of him. Well, uh, Patricia Stewart, who has been a very longtime friend of Larry Elder, is uh, standing up and saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. And she joins us now. Patricia, how are you? Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Hey, were you were you Larry's girlfriend after Alexandra or before? Before. We met in about 1996. Okay, so you were a long term girlfriend of Larry Elder's before this other woman. And uh, you're just standing up for his character. Absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't have really felt the need. I thought the, the accusations were so outrageous. I really didn't think that um, there would be a whole lot of credibility there, but I should have known. He never waved a gun at you? Onto this. I know. I'm so insulted. No tattoos, no gun waving, no NDAs. I, I'm just horrified. I guess I was just too square. Well, now, you, you're still friends with Mr. Elder, right? I mean, you guys, quote unquote, broke up, but you're still friends. Absolutely, absolutely. We started off as friends, became a romantic relationship. We stayed involved for quite a at long work, time. At work, I understand, which is not cool by modern uh, terms. Not... <laughs> well, we worked in completely different departments. He had no position of authority over me in any way, shape, or form. And actually, I'm the one that asked him out. So there was no, uh, and, and we were both very careful about getting involved. Um, we, Like I said, we started off as friends. And uh, we just, over time, you know, things happen, people change. Uh, I went through a reset in 2012 and just felt like I just needed to be on my own. And we very much stayed friends. I, I would contact him every few months. He would reach out to me. I'd send him emails and Twitters and memes 
to use on his uh, pages, and uh, I would check in every so often just to see how he was doing. And uh, okay, well, I just you know, I just wanted out. to establish that you have an ongoing relationship with him. It's not like he could have gone off the deep end and you haven't seen him for a dozen years. But is he the gun waving type, or or is that just a crazy accusation? Oh, oh, come on, so far from that. This is a man who does not like conflict in his personal life, or is not aggressive in his personal life. I never had an argument with, argument with him once, and I have a pretty quick temper. So this is somebody who fought the good fight all day long, did not want to be fighting when he got home at night. So, again, uh, it was just so alien to my experience with him. He always treated me with such respect, such love, such kindness. I believe he that, but so he could have started together. dating a crazy person, and that'll, that'll bring out the crazy in you, right? I guess it's... <laughs> I guess it's possible, but I just, I, I've seen so many discrepancies in what she has said, and um, I just know that he does not have a violent temper. He does not walk around in a haze of marijuana smoke. He could not operate the way that Larry Elder operates uh, and, and have that kind of behavior going on. This is so, a relationship that ended badly, and he had to hire a lawyer to get this person out of his house. So how much fear of her life was she in? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Leave. So, so she really, she this? physically would not leave, even physically though he told her we're through, leave. get out. Exactly. Wow. So, now we're but, getting somewhere. But they were actually engaged? Yeah, I think for a brief time. It wasn't the whole 18 months or so that they were together. I think it was just a, a fairly short time. I think he realized almost as soon as uh, it happened that it was probably not going to happen. But so, he, so he dated her for a while and then he was going to marry her and then decided that she was a crackpot. Um, I think he probably has getting a lot of pressure and decided that maybe he would give it a shot. And then almost as soon as yeah. he agreed to it, he probably decided. Did he ever ask? Did, did he ever ask you to marry him? No, he didn't. Neither one of us wanted to be married, so it was a perfect relationship. <laughs> so <laughs> I was what, taking what care of a, a sick mom. I was working forty hours a week, and um, you know it was absolutely. We, we spent time together when we wanted to be together which was often, and um, it was just nothing but a good experience for me. It was wonderful. So what, what do we know about this other woman? I mean, is she uh, just kind do of... Do you know a, her? Well, I know. I, I don't know whether she just was biding her time, because I'm sure she's still angry about this situation. Um, I don't know why she didn't come out with this when he announced this candidacy. Trying to hide her crazy. That's what we all do. her to do this, or whether she wanted to do it on her own. But uh, the fact that she didn't leave that night when she was supposedly in fear for her life, um, it just everything about it just smells to me. It yeah, well, of, her, of her, she did an interview the other day, and it just, that's what really turned the corner on it for me, because then she started in with a, besides, he's too old. Wait a second. You don't do. Oh, that but, thing about him being this elderly, this decrepit man. Yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah, yeah what a crackpot. Yeah, Patricia Stewart. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Longtime uh, friend, romantic partner, Larry Elder, calling bunk on the other girl's uh, wackadoodle claims. Patricia, uh, good to talk to you. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, yeah. guys. So much. You Take bet. care. It's yeah, it's you, you know it. it's an interesting situation to be in to interview a different ex girlfriend of a current person running for office to try to clear up their dating situation. I, I just, I don't know. I don't take it really very seriously, as you can probably tell, um, b because these these kind of he said, she said just are, you never have any idea uh, what's going on. But um, I just have no reason to think that a guy his age has got something like this in his background. Coming up, her ex-boyfriend who says, <laughs> that girl lies about Larry Elder all the time. Don't believe a word she says. Hey, you're an art lover. I am. 
Are you familiar with The Frame, which I just became familiar with by walking into a Best Buy last night? I had never seen one. They had a display set up. The Samsung TV. The Samsung The Frame. Yeah. I own one. Oh, you do? I how do. You, how do you? How come you haven't talked about it? <laughs> it's uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so the idea is absolutely fantastic. It's it's your television. I would use it for the art, but it looks like a picture frame, and it looks like you have paintings on there, and you can set it up to have whatever you want show up on the wall, and it looks fantastic. Do you use it for your TV mostly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But when the TV's off, you know, you can have it all the way off, off, like to save electricity, or you can have it in the mode where it it turns into art. So, and they have several, quite a few that are actually quite attractive that are free. And then you can like buy a subscription too. That's what I want to do. And really get into it. The way they make it look, because originally when I thought about it, I thought, well, it's going to have that bright lit, but it doesn't look like that. It, It looks fantastic. It really does. Um, and I, it's I watched, a cool product. I watched it scroll through all the art, and I thought, I'd love to have this. Um, and, you know, just change your art out on a regular basis, and you can get the 50-inch version or the 75-inch version or whatever size painting you want on your wall and change it out fitting your mood. It's, I'm feeling dark and gray. I get some, uh, you know, dark gray Russian painter. I'm feeling lively. I get some sort of Pablo Picasso up there or something, but... Uh, Sure, some sort of flat-headed woman playing a lute. This seems like you the know. future of having art in your home to me, that you just change it out on a regular basis. You know, it's funny, that hadn't really occurred to me. It just It's nice to have, when the TV is off, not a big, black, ugly screen on the wall. It's, mm-hmm. it's something pretty. Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. We'd like to see a world in which every person gets access to this type of basic testing. Once hailed the next Steve Jobs, Elizabeth Holmes promised to revolutionize healthcare with just a prick of a finger and a few drops of blood. Wall Street Journal reporter John Carreyrou revealed the technology didn't actually work. Court documents reveal Holmes will likely try to pin the blame on ex-boyfriend and former Theranos president Sonny Belwani, claiming he abused her and controlled everything from what she ate, how she dressed, and who she could interact with. What do you think her tone will be like in the courtroom? Her lawyers have told the judge she really doesn't want to wear a mask. So that that tells you that uh, her tactic, or at least one of her tactics, is going to be to try to draw the jury's sympathy. I can't predict what's going to happen. I think uh, I wouldn't put it past her to, you know, get the jury to eat out of her hand. Well, starting as a 20... Much the way my wolf Balto eats out of my hand. Starting as a 20-year-old, Elizabeth Holmes has been manipulating and frauding people based on her act. And, of course, she still believes that she can influence people with, uh, you know, a flip of her hair and her weirdly low voice. Right. (laughs) And uh, that's what she's been doing her whole adult life. She dropped out of college. She came up with this crackpot business. It would seem that they believed it to start with. Then when it couldn't meet up to expectations that's when the fraud started i don't 
think it was a fraud from the get-go, although maybe we'll learn more uh, as this trial goes on. I would love to be on this jury. You talk about, there, there are juries that it would suck to be on, either because it's too tragic a story to want to hear the details of, or it's just my mom was on a jury one time about a dispute over a water main breaking, and it got into, um, you know, county versus city and and just all kinds of stuff that would be so deadly boring. I can't even imagine uh, sitting through a trial like that. The minutiae of engineering and yeah. civic uh, regulation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, right, yeah, 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 property rights and stuff like that. This Elizabeth Holmes thing would be flipping fascinating as people are going to testify as to the whole they're going to get into her fake voice because it's going to be part of uh convincing the jury that she is a fraud artist she apparently has been doing this whole low voice thing if you i saw i don't know how many interviews with her on charlie rose over the years in her black turtleneck always introduced as the next the female steve jobs your honor what if i just pull my turtleneck up over my mouth and nose instead of wearing a mask <laughs> and how she adopted a low voice for attention or they thought people would believe her more or whatever the hell's going on she's a crazy person is the long and short of it but so now her i love the idea she was the next steve Jobs. she was the next freaking bernie madoff come on now <laughs> right clearly so now the bombshell re- revelation is she's going to blame her boyfriend who was the ceo Ramesh Sonny Balwani. If you've watched the documentary, which I have, which was on Netflix or HBO, I don't remember where it was, several years ago. Um, They were working hand-in-hand on this thing, but now she is going to claim that he forced her to do all this sort of stuff and was a brutal, controlling something or other. Going to argue intimate partner violence as a defense, to which, uh, uh, because originally it was thinking they'd be tried together, and uh, when Sonny found that out, his lawyers are like, wait, whoa, hey, what, wait, what, what? <laughs> we, we can't have you pointing and saying, I just did it because he beat me in front of the jury. Gemini. Uh, one unsealed Balwani filing from a couple of months ago notes the strategy, quote, Ms. Holmes plans to introduce evidence that Mr. Balwani verbally disparaged her and withdrew affection if she displeased him, controlled what she ate, how she dressed, how much money she could spend, who she could Wait interact with. Is, is that the extent of the beatings that you just called them? Verbally what? Uh, verbally disparaged her. <laughs> well, we verbally disparaged her. There's a lot of gray area in that phrase. And then right, withheld... yeah, how about this? He monitored her calls, texts, and emails, threw hard, sharp objects at her. That's physical abuse. That he restricted her sleep and monitored her movements, among other charges. All right. His knows? people, of course, are saying that's disturbing and utterly untrue. I think she's a crackpot. He might be a crackpot, too. The From the documentary... My takeaway was she's a crackpot and crook. He's just a fraud artist, uh, not full-on crackpot like her. But she was the face of the whole thing because for whatever reason, she's got one of those personalities that convinced some like serious heavyweight donors to throw money into this project. Oh, yeah. Some of the leading people in America, former cabinet members and, and scientists and media figures. Crazy. Secretary of former Secretary of State Schultz when he was still alive. Right. Hey, we want to quick jump in and tell you about Simply Safe. Man, are they a fantastic company? 
Simply Safe Home Security, not only the best choice, but simpler and easier to use. If you want to protect your home and family or maybe your business or your workshop against fire, burglary, medical emergency, Simply Safe is a terrific choice. And they make it so easy. It takes about two minutes to customize your system on their website when you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You order it, it comes to your home, you set it up yourself in about 30 minutes, yeah. And now you're set. You got help with a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency, or even just when you're needing help to set up your system. As our listener, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, customize your system like Jack's talking about, and start protecting your home and family. So many awards, so good, so easy, so effective, Simply Safe. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Um. I think she had some sort of appeal to particularly these old men is like, this could be my daughter or granddaughter. It's just so exciting. Here's a woman doing this. And she's just like a girl next door that went to Stanford. Um, And she raised hundreds of millions of dollars to back this completely fraud thing that she was putting together. I don't know. Right. But, 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 But all the aspects of it. God, I would love to be on the jury. Love it. I'm going to follow this story closely. You gotta stay loose. Old uh, Balawani might throw a hard, sharp object at you. Control how you dress. I want you to wear a different black turtleneck. <laughs> yes, Sonny, that's no problem. See I'm all these on for you right away. All these phrases from these kind of arguments are so up to interpretation. I really think you should dress like this. She takes as controlling how you dressed. Or, you know, maybe put a, a bat to her head and say, where are these pants are going to hit you? I don't know. But it could be anything in between those two things. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that that's a little formal. Uh, yeah, let's let's be a little more casual. I mean, is that controlling how she dresses? Who knows? Plus, you know, lawyers are willing to make up stuff yep. to win cases, especially if their client's life is at stake. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'd, it'd be an interesting case, no doubt. I want to get to the bottom of whether that wolf is a wolf, because I've heard it's just a regular dog. So what's the story on that? She claims she has a hy- wolf hybrid? Or just she calls it a wolf, but it's just a freaking dog. <laughs> Balto the dog. She walks it around the marina district of San Francisco. Not right. dang a wolf. She's a cuckoo bird. Um... My favorite. But how aspect. about that whole? You know, she wears a damn a turtleneck, and and she's in Silicon Valley and is smart, and people start calling her the next Steve Jobs, and then everybody calls her the next Steve Jobs. That's just, that's just the lemmings of the media yep. are so embarrassing. They clown themselves on a daily basis. And there's so many covers of magazines that she was on, uh, looking like Steve Jobs, and like I said, she was on Charlie Rose all the time, making these claims, talking about this thing that never existed. And my favorite part of this story, and I know I've said this 15 times, if you heard me say it before, but my favorite part of the whole story is they would take a drop of blood and put it in a box, basically. It's the, 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 basically a fancy shoebox. And they'd say, let's go out to lunch. And then when they went out to lunch, they'd run the blood sample over to the CVS and have it analyzed. Nothing counts so much as blood. And then put it back in the box when they got back from lunch and say, and the box is magically uh, in a matter of seconds. Determined Look at this. this. We have the complete analysis. That's actually what all, they were doing. All 200 measures. Let's read them together. <laughs> That's just hilarious. You need to be more like a dog. Excuse me. I'll be back in a moment. I need to feed my wolf. Then we can look at the results together from a single pinprick. What a single drop of blood. Do you have any uh, sense of how you think this is going to go or... Uh, 
this this trial. Yeah, poorly for the defendants. <laughs> very, very poorly. I, I think they're going to bring out all this stuff, and the jury's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't remember the name of the chap from uh, the Wall Street Journal who did the investigative reports into this that were the blockbusters. But, Don Carreyrou, uh, I've heard in my ear. Is that right? He, right we've, we've had right, him right, on the air yeah. before. John? Yeah, Don, that's right. Lon? <laughs> anyway, whoever he is, uh, his work was exceptionally thorough. I've read it. Yeah. And uh, I think her goose is cooked. So that's why she's doing this swing for the fences. I had to. He was abusive thing. Yeah, Paul Wani probably ought to go with, she She made the wolf bite me every time I resisted. She was the mastermind. I was abused. <laughs> I got tired of getting bit by the wolf, so I went along with her nefarious schemes. I would wake up out of a dead sleep, and all I'd see is a black turtleneck and fists flying down on me. Exactly, and the, the flashing teeth of the dog wolf, dog wolf. <laughs> it was a nightmare, Your Honor. A nightmare, I tell you. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. We are going to read something a little longer than we generally do uh, on this show, partly because Paul Rossi, who's a school teacher in New York City, is uh, an eloquent and uh, important voice, and he's committing career suicide. And he knows he is, probably, by writing this. He says, I am a teacher at Grace Church High School in Manhattan. He explains how he got into teaching. He is really into it. As a teacher, my first obligation is to my students, but right now my school is asking me to embrace anti-racism training and pedagogy that I believe is deeply harmful to the kids and to any person who seeks to nurture the virtues of curiosity, empathy, and understanding. Anti-racism training sounds righteous, but it is the opposite of truth in advertising. It requires teachers like myself to treat students differently on the basis of race. Furthermore, in order to maintain a united front for our students, teachers at our school are directed to confine our doubts about this framework to conversations with an in-house office of community engagement for whom every significant objection leads to a foregone conclusion. Any doubting students are likewise challenged to reframe their views to conform to this orthodoxy, meaning no, uh, uh, they will brook no uh, disagreement or any doubts. My school, like so many others, induces students via shame and sophistry, which means false arguments, to identify primarily with their race before their individual identities are even fully formed. Students are pressured to conform their opinions to those broadly associated with their race and gender and to minimize or dismiss individual experiences that don't match those assumptions, meaning everybody of a particular color has to think alike. That is so crazy. And if you had experience that is different than this, you, you could put that aside. Trust me. You need to shut up. Right. The morally compromised status of oppressor is assigned to one group of students based on their immutable characteristics. In the meantime, dependency, resentment, and moral superiority are cultivated in students considered oppressed. All of this is done is in the name of equity, but it is the opposite of fair. In reality, all of this reinforces the worst impulses we have as human beings. Our tendency toward tribalism and sectarianism that a truly liberal education is me meant to trans transcend. Now, listen to this guy's experience, and because I think we're all familiar with the theoretical arguments, but... 
or at least I hope you are. Recently, I raised questions about this ideology at a mandatory whites-only student and faculty Zoom meeting. Such racially segregated sessions are now commonplace at my school. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. That in the year 2021, that is occurring. Wow, we're going segregation. We are going backwards. It was a bait and switch self care seminar that that labeled objectivity, individualism, and fear of open conflict, and even a right to comfort as characteristics of white supremacy. Again, you're a white supremacist if you believe in objectivity. You're a white supremacist if you believe in individualism. You're a racist for believing in individualism? Hmm. I doubted that these human attributes, many of them virtues, reframed as vices, should be racialized in this way. In the Zoom chat, I also questioned whether one must define oneself in terms of racial identity at all. My goal was a model for students that they should feel safe to question ideological assertions if they felt moved to do so. It seemed like my questions broke the ice. Students and even a few teachers offered a broad range of questions and observations. Many students said it was finally a more productive and substantive discussion than they expected. However... When my questions were shared outside this forum, violating the school norm of confidentiality, I was informed by the head of the high school that my philosophical challenges had, get this, caused harm to students. Given that these topics were life and death matters about people's flesh and blood and bone, I was reprimanded for acting like an independent agent of a set of principles or ideas of beliefs. I was told that by doing so, I failed to serve the greater good and the higher truth. In other words, he was a counter-revolutionary. Stuff's straight out of Mao, Chairman Mao, straight out of the Soviet Union. He further informed me that I had created dissonance for vulnerable and uninformed thinkers and neurological disturbance in students, beings, and systems. The school's director of studies added that my remarks could even constitute harassment. Oof. A few days later, the head of school ordered all high school advisors to read a public reprimand of my conduct out loud to every student in the school. Now, Jack, if, student of history, if, would you like to take over? If here? that is not the cultural revolution in China, circa 1967, I don't know what is. That is unbelievable. Likewise, the show trials of the Soviet Union, wow. in which you were forced at gunpoint to read aloud a statement, helpfully written by others, of your sins and counter-revolutionary uh, activities. That's incredible. At which point you were either shot dead or thrown in a gulag. So again, every teacher was ordered to read a public rec- reprimand of his conduct, which was asking constructive questions, I might remind you. It was a surreal experience, he writes, walking the halls alone and hearing the words emitting from each classroom, quote, events from last week compel us to underscore some aspects of our mission and share some thoughts about our community. At our schools with their history of white populations, racism, etc., uh, we must work hard to undo this history. Now, and he mentions that, of course, there's there have been problems, there's been racism, there have been fights, etc. And bias can influence relationships, all true. But addressing such problems with a call to undo history lacks any kind of limiting principle and pairs any allegation of bigotry with a priori guilt, meaning assumed guilt. My own contract for next year, he writes, requires me to, quote, participate in restorative practices designed by the Office of Community Engagement in order to heal my relationships with the students of color and other students in my classes. 
And he says, well, what do you mean participate in restorative practices? They said, we'll tell you after you sign. So you have to heal something and you're not allowed to say, I don't think there's any healing needed. I don't think I've. I'm not wrong. I still believe I'm right. No. Or he'll be fired if he doesn't sign. I asked my uncomfortable students in the self-care meeting. Um, I asked my questions, rather, because I felt a duty to my students. I wanted to be a voice for the many students of different backgrounds who've approached me over the course of the past several years to express their frustration with the indoctrination at our school, but are afraid to speak out. They report that in their classes and other discussions, they must never challenge any of the premises of our anti-racist teachings, which are deeply informed by critical race theory, as we know. These concerns are confirmed when I attend grade level and school meetings about race and gender issues. You can't even ask questions. I keep flashing back to the presidential debate. The The only time this came up as a topic when the moderator, Chris Wallace, clearly didn't really know what he was talking about. President Trump knew the most on the stage, uh, but wasn't up to speed. And Joe Biden had no clue whatsoever what critical race theory actually is and what they're actually teaching in schools. And we're teaching in the government, but Trump banned it, but Biden's bringing it back. It's, it's racist indoctrination into the new Marxism. It functions just the same as the Marxists did and the Maoists did. It substitutes race for class, but then tries to tear down history, tries to cancel culture, tries to 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 eliminate the very culture you grew up with to replace it with a brave new culture under the command of the enlightened. It's exactly like communism in the 20th century. They just changed some of the words. And one of the frustrations is I don't think Joe Biden would be in agreement with this, but he doesn't even understand it's happening. And so it's winning the day. Armstrong and